This is the Final Third Podcast, a soccer podcast that talks about everything that happens outside the 90 minutes, from roster construction and transfers to soccer culture, politics, and business. On today's episode, we talk about Cristiano Ronaldo's transfer, the controversy with the U.S. men's national team and Gio Reyna, and the downfall of Chelsea Football Club. Just as a quick disclaimer, we do talk about domestic abuse in our U.S. men's national team talk with you know Gio Reyna. So this is your warning if that's something that may or may not affect you. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the final third podcast. Back again. Jack and I are back from vacation. Uh, so very, very fun. It's the final third show every Monday. Very excited to be here. My name is AJ Tabura, one of your co-hosts, fan of West Ham United, Minnesota United, and the U.S. national teams, one of which we'll be talking about. And I'm joined by someone who has just as many Premier League goals in the last month as Darwin Nunez, knows the difference between South Africa and Saudi Arabia. Yes, he's Disneyland's finest. It's Jack. Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, you know, it's it's a new year. It's the first time yes. I've been on the podcast in the new year. So mm-hmm. there's that. And I'm ready to talk about the best team in London, which is obviously still Chelsea. I don't uh-huh. care what anyone says. Of course, of course. Well, Jack, did you see any Chelsea jerseys when you were in California in Disneyland uh, in the last week? I did not see a lot of Chelsea jerseys. Okay. Well, what jersey did you see a lot of? <laughs> I did see a lot of Real Madrid and Barcelona jerseys. But I did not see many other things, honestly. I saw mostly La Liga stuff. I think I did see a few Liverpools, uh, okay. a few Spurs, and a few... Oh, I did, I did see a few Arsenal ones as well. Nice, but nice. That, that's, that's about it. All right. I was, at, uh, I was in the Philippines last week uh, visiting my family, and the only jersey I could remember seeing was a psg jersey so oh man yeah that's unfortunate soccer's not that big there i I saw a lot more uh, golden state warriors and lakers jerseys let's (laughs) let's say that much at least so yeah well jack it is the new year and i asked jordan this who's on the show uh last week shout out jordan uh but i asked him his new year's resolution so do you have any personal or wide range of new year's resolutions coming into 2023 Honestly, I don't make many of them, but if I had to make one on the spot, I'd probably say that it's to finish my thesis because I need to do that anyway. But All right, that's good. That's good. <laughs> it's always good to have some New Year's resolutions that you're kind of required to do just yeah, so you can you yeah. know, knock some out for sure. That's good. Yeah, right. that's, de- yeah. that's definitely up there because it needs to get done so I can graduate. <laughs> Yeah, well, fingers crossed that that goes well for you. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it is the new year, Jack. We have this great show that we do. You can find us on the on the internet at Final Third Show uh, on Twitter, FinalThirdShow.com uh, is our website. Great things there. You can find a bunch of different resources there to uh, listen to us on, to leave a review if you so choose, to you know look at all the different episodes be able to search them up really easily so definitely check that out today as you all know we talk about uh, all the different types of things that happen in soccer mainly off the pitch and today we have three topics hopefully we can get to them all 
uh, surrounding things that are happening outside of the pitch, such as Ronaldo's uh, move uh, to Saudi Arabia, uh, some drama in the U.S. men's national team sphere, and some drama, some might say, with Chelsea and how they're doing on and off the pitch. So, Jack, let's probably start off with maybe the biggest story in soccer right now in the past month in January, and that is Cristiano Ronaldo moving to Al Nassar. Do you think is is that how you pronounce the club? I thought it was Al Nasser, but I'm Al not one hundred percent sure. I mean, that, that, I, that sounds kind of wrong actually. Now that I'm saying it, but all right, well, I don't we'll, know. We'll, it's something. We'll we'll say both of them. And hopefully that's, I mean, it's a, we probably should know how to pronounce it, but if it's, that proves one thing, it's the fact that this club wasn't very much on the radar for many people coming into 2023. In fact, the only way that I actually know about it is because of, I believe, Pity Martinez, formerly uh, uh, from MLS, plays for the club. I know it because Vincent Abubakar plays for them. Yeah, or... Or used did. to play for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but on December 30th, 2022, uh, Al Nasser uh, signed Ronaldo for two and a half years on 200 million euros a year, which is the highest salary for a football player at this point. And I believe uh, of all time, I really highly doubt anyone has come close it. to higher than that. And this came about a month after his contract with Manchester United uh, was mutually terminated after a fallout between him, the club, and the coach. Most notably, he had a pretty infamous interview with Piers Morgan uh, a little bit prior to the World Cup talking about his issues with the management, with the team, with the Glazers, the owners, and all of the surrounding issues with his time is one uh, slightly a little under one and a half years with the club. And so we're left with maybe uh, one of the greatest players, 37, yes, but someone who still thinks he is, and many people think he is still capable of playing at the highest level, moving to Saudi Arabia, the Saudi Pro League, which is not exactly a league that many people think is in the upper echelons of football. It's It's outside of Europe. It's not one of like the big leagues outside of Europe, such as Argentina or Brazil or even, you know, the lower leagues, so to speak, in in uh, Europe, such as Portugal or, you know, the Netherlands or whatever. And so it raises a lot of question marks. So, Jack, the main question here is how does this affect Cristiano Ronaldo's legacy? And so, Jack, I'll, I'll leave it up to you to answer it and just give me your thoughts on the, the transfer I, I know I know you have a lot of thoughts on Cristiano Ronaldo, so I'd love to hear your your thoughts about this transfer. Well, this transfer, I don't think is particularly smart for either party. Okay. Uh, I I think two hundred. Let's let's get one thing straight. the The club is rich, like yeah. very rich. And they could, they can spend. Their, like, their owners are the the uh, what's the what the is it the. P- pfi or something like that it's 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 the saudi crown prince's yes. investment fund uh-huh. it's it's the same group that owns newcastle even though they technically say they don't own newcastle whatever uh but they're rich so they can afford it uh right. but they if if their whole thing is like they want to be if if, if their goal is to be like a serious competitor that's go if their goal is to like win the uh uh Asian Champions League or, or uh, 
or whatever. I, I think they do they play in the Asian Champions League or uh, the African not Champions? this season, but they okay. have before. Yes. Okay. I, I couldn't remember if if that was the continent mm-hmm. or the continent they're part of. But if their goal is to win that, then I don't think this is really the right move for it because. I don't know. Cristiano Ronaldo cannot do the same things he used to do. Like, look, at, look at his goal output at Manchester United. Yes, he was on the bench a lot, but if he's really that great, why didn't he score more than one goal in the Premier League this season? Uh, and I, I don't know. I feel like they could have built like a, a more solid team out of it. It seems more than anything. This is a publicity signing. And that if the, if their goal is to like, gain notoriety of the club like or to to get into the public eye then sure they've succeeded at that because uh you know now they're i I think i saw a uh a tweet saying like the ronaldo effect and it was al nasser's twitter or instagram account going from under a million followers to 9.2 million followers after he signed uh it was also under a quote tweet of uh, of someone saying the Messi effect and having the Argentina crest before the World Cup and then after the World Cup. So. <laughs> sure. uh, but I think that I, I think that, you know, I don't think it's a great transfer for either of them. Ronaldo. You know, I think it does hurt his legacy a little bit because okay. the way in which he left Manchester United and all of this precipitated. Was just bad. You know, the explosive interview with Piers Morgan and like, you know, there's the joke like if you manage to be in a room with Piers Morgan and still be the least likable person in that room, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> uh, but he he just blew up his entire reputation at a club that he he should have left on good terms with, I, I feel like. And I mean, the reputation kind of showed afterwards where no European clubs wanted to pick him up because one, his wage demands are ridiculous. And two, he seems to just bring locker room problems wherever he goes. Like, think about yeah. Juventus and how and how they operated when he was there. They I, I think that he causes more problems in a lot of these places than uh then he helps them. Like, sure, he might add in some extra goals, but is that worth tearing apart the locker room because of it? I yeah, don't think no. so, but it just shows how far his reputation kind of fell off in in the past few years, like going from being wanted from every by like almost every major club in Europe after he was leaving Juventus, right, to literally only being able to play for uh one club that want that right. wanted him, right? Yeah. Or I, I guess two because Sporting Kansas City apparently made a competitive bid. But. Yeah, that was that, that, that was weird, and apparently, like it it wasn't actually that far off from from happening, which would have been crazy. Yeah. I, I I would to 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 think that <laughs> that he would be literally across from like a racetrack playing in SKC. I that that would have been crazy. I, I would have loved it. I would have loved it. Uh, that that would have been quite the the hilarious moment but he finds himself in saudi arabia and you're right you know he expected to be playing for a champions league team be played like a champions league level star and this despite playing like a champions league role player and so that ended up causing no club to want to sign him and the drama he brings and something that's uh kind of interesting uh is the fact that he and his agent uh jorge mendez have now separated uh, he's no longer he no longer re- represents Cristiano Ronaldo because of uh, this debacle or not because of it. But, you know, 
in correlation with this entire uh, debacle. Uh, Ronaldo, in a you know, press conference interview, said, quote, In Europe, my work is done. I won everything, played for the biggest clubs. Now I have a new challenge. But that kind of seems a little bit untrue to me. Or not untrue, but more so, he's saying that almost to convinced himself as well as other people you know what i mean like and i think that comes a lot due to his image that he's built and the legacy jack have you ever heard of the kind of like the phrase messi is the best player but ronaldo is the hardest worker have you ever heard something along those lines i've heard that and i don't agree with it but whatever (laughs) but 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 that, that that is kind of like the 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 common saying when it comes to the two greatest players of our time, right? Like Messi, he has the greatest ability. You know, he, he's he has such great on the ball movement. It's, it's all crisp and stuff. But Ronaldo, he has the work ethic. He's touted as a harder worker. His fitness regiments, his expectations of his teammates, his leadership, those are what separates him. Yet, as we've seen from the last few years, right, it seems like that's not necessarily true. Uh, he, yes, he has high expectations and he works hard and all that, but he has this vision of himself, especially recently, pretty much after he left uh, Real Madrid, that isn't close to reality. He isn't the same play as, player as he was before, yet he expects his coaches, his teammates, and the world to treat him like he still is, which obviously isn't the case. And you look at other players that have kind of adapted their game, right? Messi, who's only a couple years younger than him has adapted. He no longer runs and, you know, cuts the ball around. He instead waits until he has the ball to make big moves. He, you know, finds himself walking a lot more because, you know, he's older. And Zlatan, who was about the same age as Ronaldo when he went, he, he moved to AC Milan, uh, had more longevity long term, even though he had a lot of injuries because he was able to accept a role as a super sub or an impact player. And that netted him 33 goals in the last three seasons. And he's like, what, 41 now? Yeah. That's more than Ronaldo can say that he's got the last three seasons playing in a, a difficult league as he has. Like, it, it just seems to me that that who he is is not changing with the times. And this is a product of that. Would you agree with that, Jack? Yeah, I, I would agree. I think I think that some of the best players are the ones that are able to adapt. I mean... You know, you know, my favorite player, Olivier Giroud, he he he's kind of accepted like, you know, he's not going to be able to run and uh, like out beat out out his players. So he he just posts up by the near post and gets a ton of goals that way. And, you know, helped AC Milan to a league title in that time period. And I, I think like Ronaldo could have done that. He could have accepted like that kind of thing and shown himself as like an image of like a player who cares about his legacy. But instead, mm-hmm. I mean, we found out that what he cares about is the bag, I guess. I, I think that's what we found out. <laughs> yeah, I, like it's just it, it, to me, it's annoying. And I think this is what a lot of people get at when they talk about the way that this has kind of left Ronaldo's legacy in tatters is that, you know, respect for him to getting 200 million euros a year that's more money than i will literally ever lay eyes on probably uh but 
he has this carefully crafted image that he and his team has marketed himself as where he is this hard worker like never gives up from the fight like first one in the 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 locker room last one to leave always like working hard in the gym on the training pitch putting 110 percent and then what in the last two seasons, he leaves when he gets benched, refuses to come on as a substitute, leaves the stadium and fits if he doesn't get what he wants, pushes his way out of clubs if he doesn't feel like he's being quote-unquote appreciated enough, makes it so entire teams build their team around him, and then gets mad when it obviously doesn't work because he's literally 36, 37 years old, right? Like, he... He cares more about the money than he does working hard or winning mm-hmm. trophies at this point. Everyone can understand that. that. That is a lot of players out there, and maybe rightfully so. And that would be fine if that literally wasn't his brand. If we weren't, I'm not going to say gaslighted, I mean, you know, gaslighted, brainwashed by Cristiano Ronaldo to think that that is who he is. His legacy was his work ethic. And, you know, he's nearly 38. It's impossible to think that he can create at the same rate. But to claim continuously that he is at that same level as he was seven years ago and then shrug your shoulders, turn around and then join the Saudi Pro League a month after you literally said in Piers Morgan, you weren't going to do that. Like, am I supposed to say this is the GOAT? Yeah, right. Like, what? Especially... Especially when Messi goes and wins a World Cup right as you yes, transfer yes. to this club. You, you, you see the pictures of like Messi versus Ronaldo's last month and Messi's like has an Instagram picture of his uh, of his World Cup trophy and like the golden ball and all of that. And then and then Ronaldo has like the best football of the year sponsored by TikTok trophy. Did you see that? Like, like <laughs> yeah. that is the difference between him and Messi at this point and it's not like they're separated by you know five years or something they're they're still at you know the same age range but Messi is probably going to be a champions league title contender with psg and cristiano ronaldo is not even the asian champions league like i don't know i don't know I, i i think i think people are right to say that this is like a retirement level uh transfer 100%. you know like like but jack am i wrong to say that if you went to this league saying basically he wants to settle down in a new country uh for his family's sake or help the league grow maybe like beckham in mls or other stars when they go to like china or japan that would be better because that's not what he's doing. But would that be better if it was like if it was like Beckham coming uh, to MLS or Kaka coming to MLS or uh, I can't say he's Zlatan because he went back. But do you know what I mean? Would, would that help, yeah. help his legacy or is just the fact that he's just jumping down to a lower level kind of sealing the deal for you? I mean, you know me, I'd look for any reason to hate on Ronaldo. Sure, so yeah. uh, there there's that. But also like. If he had said, like, yeah, I'm doing this to uh, set up a good life for my family, like. Be wow. transparent about it. Yeah, like if he, if he said that, I'd be like in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, like, sure. Guy, <laughs> like, hello. Are you are you sure about that? Like, yeah. there's got it. Like, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of beautiful stuff in the country, but also. 
given given a lot of the political past in the you know and and also the present in, in Saudi Arabia, I'm not sure if that's the place I would choose to retire to. Uh, just personally speaking, but I I I think maybe it it might help like it might improve that perception a little bit, but also I mean. I feel like a lot of people are still just going to be like, "You, this is this is not the same player anymore. The, this is this is a completely different person." Like yeah. I, I don't think it really helps that much. Like yeah. you can't even you can't even say like for MLS David Beckham going to it. You could say that it's kind of on the way up a little bit. I'm not sure, sure. if I would say the exact same thing about the Saudi Pro League because. Uh-huh. Honestly, how many of us could name more than maybe one team from the Saudi Pro League before Ronaldo transferred? Uh, I, I, I literally only know one, and that's because they've appeared in uh, the, the Club World Cup yep. multiple oh, times. Oh, that's, that's the only yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. I can't guess. Yes. Yep. So <laughs> I, that, that's all I could say. That, that would be literally it. Uh, like, I, I, since he transferred to there... I can't name a single other team besides Al Al Nasser yeah. and Al Hilal. I I couldn't tell you another one, so I'm not sure if it really raises the profile that much. But maybe it's also because I'm not a Ronaldo fanboy. So yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's very tough uh, this transfer. And I think I think if it was just you know out of the blue, like he was performing at the highest possible level for years, and then was just like, all right, I'm I'm going. Even that would be a little bit uh, an easier pill to swallow. Yeah. Instead, he leaves Real Madrid after really good runs in the, in the Champions League, goes to Juve, where they win championships, but it's also Juve. Yeah. But they also like get bounced in the round of 16 in three consecutive seasons by three different teams while he was there. And then moves to Manchester United, where they do jack all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then he moves to the Saudi pro league. Like it just seems like a very slow descent into madness and a descent that is not aging with grace as yeah. other players. Like you mentioned Giroud, Messi, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, basically any older player that still has continuous value as they age. He, his value is absolutely not competitive. And I think at this point, nobody, even, well, I can't even say even R- Ronaldo fanboys, because I'm pretty sure they're still holding on that he's like the greatest hustle player. He just needs to have the right tools around him in order to succeed. But I think it's clear to most sane people that his output, his value is not competitive. It is marketing, which goes into the next question. Why slash how did Al Nasser do this? Jack, you already mentioned it, but like marketing It's marketing. Yeah, there- how how does this help them competitively you signed a washed 38 year old like yeah. bro I mean, no it to, doesn't help to be fair to be fair i think he will be one of if not the best player in the league i don't think that there's a lot of competition not saying that he's gonna light yeah. the league on fire but also not to say that he won't do that because i not a lot of people know the quality of the saudi pro league yeah which I'm, is fine <laughs> i mean I I'll I'll say this like they got rid they they got rid of like a player who was playing pretty well for them to clear up space for him. Yeah. Like yeah. Th- they had to get rid of uh Vincent Abubakar because of 
they had to get rid of an international player because of you know domestic player rules and so they got rid of him which is really funny because a lot of uh english speaking media was hyping up that partnership because that was the only other player on the team yep. that people could recognize <laughs> maybe and anderson Taliska, i guess sure but yeah. like come on like that doesn't scream i want competitive success right that that really does not that really does not inspire confidence there in in that that's their goal and like i don't know i i yeah. i i think it's mostly publicity but even then yeah. like what's the point of getting publicity for for this is well, it to get advertisements and to get more money so you can sign more players maybe i i, I think that there, it, it's a multi-headed beast right on one hand you have the merch sales obviously you're gonna sell a lot uh you talk about the ronaldo effect their instagram the teams the instagram did jump from eight hundred thousand followers on instagram to over 10 million and that op- that does open up a lot a lot of space for you know ticket sales and especially sponsorship deals whether it's on social media or with the club itself like if i don't know how much you know long-term planning for this move you know the saudi pro league did but if you can imagine like if they lined it up somehow close to to next season having a new maybe stadium sponsor a shirt sponsor any other uh, corporate sponsor the value of that particular sponsorship has maybe doubled or tripled in the last month because the eyes on that club have even like quadruple quintupled in the last month and then you know you mentioned that they're owned by the Saudi Pro, not the Saudi Pro League's top team right now, actually, Al Nasser, which maybe points to the fact that they don't need to be a com- competitive giant because they're already doing pretty well for themselves. Uh, but Al Nasser, they're owned in part by cr- the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. So it's not like the finances were really of note here. I think a lot of it is just PR for the Saudi royal family, which is probably where everyone is going to go to sports washing is a term that gets thrown around a lot but in a sense this is saudi arabia sports washing legitimizing their clubs Mm -hmm. their league and their country as a whole i'm not going to hold that necessarily against his legacy like simping for an oligarchical oil state because Messi and countless other (laughs) top top players do that uh but it doesn't help, obviously. And yeah, I mean, like th- th- there's there's just a lot of reasons why I think it makes sense for the Saudi Pro League, for Al Nassar, for this country to do this. And yeah, I don't even know what else to say. It's it's just it, 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 it's, it's sad. It's a it's, little it's, bit. It's sad because it's for ads. I don't know. It's uh it's it's just uh it's it, there there's so many awful things about this transfer honestly uh but yeah the sports washing is definitely there i can just imagine like the the saudi royal family like getting into the into the news for doing something awful and then they have ronaldo appear in like a video or something like apologizing for it like i know that probably would never happen <laughs> but I feel like I feel like we're like one step removed from that. And that's that's a horrifying thought right there. Yeah. 
I mean, like, I mean, just think about it, right? Not, a, not nobody can watch this league right now uh, <laughs> legally. I think his debut is gonna be is gonna be uh, streamed on Twitter, and that doesn't mean a lot right now. But if they can get a TV deal, which would be huge, that allows people that are going to be watching Ronaldo, which let's face it, is still going to be millions and millions of people to be, you know, watching a broadcast that is controlled by Saudi Arabia and what that means for advertising. And not even like this is not us just being tinfoil hat, whatever, like, oh, they're going to say that that Saudi Arabia is the best. It could even just be for, you know, tourism it could be advertising for their airlines for uh, other industries you know it could oh, be visits. for the world cup bid yeah exactly it could definitely be for the world cup bid exactly like there, there's a lot of reasons why they would do this and this marketing is really really big and it means entry into new markets new global markets i did some research check in google trends everyone's fa- favorite trends <laughs> website ronaldo's search volume has peaked obviously over the last month and Al Nasser and Saudi Arabia's Pro League have grown exponentially in search share, obviously, in the last month. Like, this is, this is huge marketing. You have people in Wyoming looking up Al Nasser, which I would venture to guess that has probably not really happened in the last month. Probably so, not. like, the growth opportunity for this league is huge right now. I'm not going to watch this league. I wasn't playing to. I don't watch things because of Ronaldo, but I understand why people would, you know? So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, personally, I avoid leagues because of Ronaldo. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Not, 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 a, not a big uh, Manchester United fan. I, I know that. I know that. Well, so. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's now go into a league that maybe Ronaldo should have gone into, and that is the EFL championship, because that's his level. Jack, let's let's get some trivia out of the way here, because uh, I think this other topic is also going to be a pretty long topic. So, Jack, stat padding, I'm glad you're back. We didn't have it last week with Jordan. Why don't you explain to uh, the listeners what it is and what the theme is this week? Yeah, so stat padding is trivia about soccer statistics, and... Uh, Usually it it's so sometimes it's like, you know, a a big theme, like a big overall theme. This one, I just went to the EFL championship and found some obscure stats. So that that's that's mainly what this is. Obscure championship stats. I'm super scared. Uh, you might need to be a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so there's five questions plus a bonus question. So. Are you ready for some trivia? I, 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 yeah, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Don't sound too sure about that, but let's get started. Uh, so this is the easiest, easiest oh, question, I think. What four teams are currently in the promotion playoff spots? This is the easy one? Yeah, this okay. is the easy one. So Burnley and Watford, not Watford. Yeah, Burnley and Watford, I think, are top two. Burnley, for sure, because they've been tearing it up right now with uh, uh, whoever their uh, head coach is. Vincent oh, no, Company. Vincent Company. Yep, yes, thank yep, you. Yep. Uh, got, got, I got there. Uh, so, not them. Maybe. I see, I, I'm sure it's Burnley. I don't know about Watford. Uh, 
I'm going to say, dude, there's no okay. I, I think Luton Town's <laughs> up there. I think Boro's up there, Middlesbrough. I, uh, I think West Brom and uh, uh, Sheffield. Th- those are my four. Those are my four. You got one of the four. Oh, okay. That's terrible. That's uh, terrible. Sheffield <laughs> is up, but higher. Uh, they're okay. in second. Watford is in the is in fourth. Uh, you got Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough are in Let's fifth. Uh, Blackburn are in third currently. And okay. your least favorite team is Millwall? in sixth. Yep, Millwall is in sixth. Remember how I predicted at the beginning of the season that they would go, they would get into the promotion playoffs and get promoted. Yeah, I think it's still a big possibility because yeah. they've been very good this season. Yeah. To, hey, to be fair, one of your other predictions was Atlanta winning the Serie A. OK, so. well, <laughs> we, we can't win them all. We can't win them that's all. That's true. That is that's factual. <laughs> well, uh, how close I was with the, the other two, uh, Luton and West Brom. The other two, West Brom has been improving. They were close to the relegation zone previously. But since uh Honestly, I think it did come with the return of Daryl DK. They've been tearing it up more and they're in ninth now. Luton is in seventh. And then the last Ugh. one, you, the last one you said, oh, yeah, you said Sheffield, which is higher up. So they're 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 close. They're close to it. Kay. They're still within reaching distance. In fact, Luton is only out on goal difference right oh, now. Okay, and well, West Brom yes, is one point behind. Oh, OK, well. Championship you know, is very close. It's very close. I do know yeah. that. All right, right. so... Pat start. (laughs) Another obscure statistic here. Okay. Which range is going to be wider in this case? The team with the most goals per match to least goals per match, or most goals against to least goals against? Okay, you're going to have to repeat that. (laughs) Okay, so goals per match, right? The range of the team with the lowest goals per 90 scored versus highest, that range compared to how many goals are conceded by a team highest okay. and lowest. so which one do you think is wider do you think there's more variation in offenses or defenses i guess oh my gosh that <laughs> is... i told you I, I dug deep for these i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna say goals scored because i feel like the championship is kind of like mls where defense kind of is a misnomer at some points but offense is just kind of what gets you what gets you to promotion and the promotion playoffs i'm gonna say the goal scored you're correct yes it is goal scored uh that is a range of 1.2 the highest is burnley with uh goals uh scored of per match of two and then the lowest goals per match is 0.8 by cardiff Yikes, uh, cardiff Jeez. yeah cardiff has, have been struggling a little bit and then the goals conceded per match is uh the lowest is Sheffield United with 0.9 uh and the highest is Wigan with 1.8 jeez Wigan <laughs> yeah Wigan's been struggling a lot uh like more than normal for them. Okay. uh so you you got one point you got you got one that I thought was going to be more difficult so the next one this one I think th- there's two on here that are about US players so I think think you've Ooh. got you've got a chance with this so how many clean sheets have the USA goalkeepers in the championship accumulated together? So both. Okay. You, you know, both of them, Horvath and Stefan, right? Stefan, yes. Yep. How many do they have total? I'll give you two off either side. Okay. Well, two off seems very 
precise. Okay, so Luton Town is Horvath, and mm-hmm. Stefan is with QPR. Is Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Or, okay. I think he's with Middlesbrough. I'm gonna check. No, just he, to- <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely, he is. Uh, I might be wrong. Okay, so it is. There, it is Middlesbrough. There have been about twenty-five. 26 games in the championship thus far i do know that and i i think both teams yeah you mentioned both teams are doing pretty well for themselves but you know there is you know defense can be an issue in the championship mm-hmm. you know they're good goalkeepers but their defense might let them down sometimes there's 52 total games that they have played uh together am i gonna guess that more than half of them are clean sheets no a fourth maybe not you know i'll go i'll go with i'll go with 13 13 between the two of them no shot you got it dead on you got it dead really? on. are you kidding me yes you got it dead wow. on wow i as soon as you said there's 52 games between them i was like oh he's gonna guess like a fourth or something yeah it's 13 uh Horvath has wow. nine and stefan has four so Yes, you, you, you know what? I might give you a, a bonus point for that. <laughs> cool. there, Dude, that's, that's pretty impressive. Dude, that's on the highlight reel. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's got to be top 10, uh, like, uh, stat padding moments right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so a bonus question that I have on this one. Which okay. of the two goalkeepers has the higher save percentage? Uh, higher save percentage? Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Stefan because no real reason other than Millsborough I know are higher. Uh, you're incorrect. They actually okay. have the exact same save percentage. Okay, well, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I gave you the bonus point ahead of time. I was all right, like, all right, all right, all right. I needed to have, a, I needed to have some fun with that one. Uh, so. Wait, what is the save percentage? It's 67.1%. Okay. So. Okay, two thirds, all right. Yeah, about, about two thirds. Not, not too bad. They're both negative in terms of goals prevented, but uh, okay, that's okay. <laughs> we'll skip past that. Uh, so another another one about Americans. How many teams in the championship have American players playing for them? I I went through every single team's roster oh to find any player that is American, and I'm gonna be honest. Like one of these players, I've never heard of. So <laughs> okay. Oh geez. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, let's get the three that matter. Middlesbrough. Uh, Middlesbrough has Hoppy too, right? That is correct. Yes, they have Hoppy okay. as well. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to help you don't, you don't have to name the players. I, I, I'm glad the I teams. don't. Okay, you don't have so we got, we got one you just in have Luton to name Town, the number. <laughs> one in Luton Town, one in West Brom, one in Norwich City. Okay, so that's four. <laughs> and then, uh, who's... Uh, is Dwayne Holmes still playing? Is he he plays for who does he play for? Is that Huddersfield? Uh, you, uh I'm not gonna look at you because it's gonna give it away. Or is that Birmingham? Oh, Aaron Trusty, Birmingham, of course. Yeah, so that's that's five. Austin Trusty, but yeah, Austin Trusty. <laughs> what a, you know, same thing, same difference. Uh, so that's five. I'm sure there's another one, maybe in Huddersfield Town. Maybe it's Dwayne Holmes. Six uh oh uh there's that one guy uh 
in Sunderland with the funny name and that, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. Okay. I do. That's the one I didn't know about. I, I had never heard of him before. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I remember him from the Sunderland Slide Die documentary, actually. So that's seven. And then I'm just going to add one more for safety. I don't, I don't know what, what my uh, my factor of safety is here. So I'm going to go with eight. It is eight. Uh, the last one is let's go. Well, I, I didn't write their first name down in here, but Olu Sunday from Preston North End. Okay. I don't think he's a starter, but uh, he does. He he does play for them. So uh, uh-huh. Matthew Olu Sunday, 24 yes. years. So and was I was I right with Dwayne Holmes? You were. Dwayne Holmes still plays for Huddersfield. Okay, he good. actually scored pretty recently, too. Nice. And Sunderland's. Left back or right back, I believe. I, I have no idea what position he plays because honestly, I just found out he existed like two Come hours on, ago. Man. So uh, he he was not in their most recent starting 11, but uh, he does play for them and he oh, he's injured, but he ah. is a right back. OK, and his name is Lyndon Gooch. Gooch. Yep, that's the great name. name. Great name. <laughs> All right. So last question. This is this is the toughest one, I think. Or it could be easy depending I'm on I'm at 60% already. I'm you're, feeling pretty good. You are doing pretty good for this. Actually, if you count the bonus point I gave you, you're at you're at you're four for Perfect. four. Yeah, yeah. So uh here here we go. Two teams have conceded three penalties, but conceded zero penalty goals. Wow. Name one of those two teams. So there's there's two of them? There are two. With a one hundred percent save percentage from penalties, and you can have you can have three guesses. Okay. So, I had it at six originally, but since you've been doing too well, I had to edit right. that down. Can, a little bit. can I just uh, to make this quick and fun? Can I just say three random ones? Yeah, sure. And, yeah. and then and then you tell me afterwards sure. if I got them right. All right. I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go crazy here. Okay. I'm just gonna go balls to the walls okay. i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with sheffield united i'm gonna go with coventry city and i'm gonna go go with preston north end uh no none of those are it no. unfortunately. <laughs> uh there was two s teams swansea and sunderland i should i i should have known i should have known <laughs> yeah because yeah i i definitely I don't know, knew, how I, know but. I, I definitely knew that before <laughs> this yeah definitely uh well either way you got you got 80 percent while hitting one question that I gave you a range of like four pretty much to get around yeah. and you still got it dead on. So yeah, I, I'd say that's pretty good. I, I, I got I'd, two dead on. I got the yeah. Americans at clubs dead on. Too, I, I so. wasn't going to give you either any, any direction on that though. So, okay. You, you, you did still get it dead on. So there okay. you go, <laughs> man, that's, that's kind of a fire, uh, a, a fire segment right there. Kind of, kind of a hot run. I went, went on, hopefully listeners, you also went in a hot run. Maybe you, you did actually know who was in the promotion playoffs, which honestly was the easiest question out of all of them. Yeah. The fact a- that that's one of the ones you missed is honestly shocking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So whatever, whatever. All right, Jack, you, you mentioned Americans. Let's talk about an American or a group of Americans because the court case is in session. The people of the U.S. men's national team versus Reina. Reina's, maybe. Uh, so a recap for people who might not know. Gio Reina is a star teenage attacker for the U.S. men's national team. Son of, important to know, uh, Claudia and Danielle Reina, former members of the U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national team themselves. Claudia Reina, especially uh, one of the icons of the U.S. men's national team. 
and Gio Reyna has come off multiple injuries prior to the World Cup. At the World Cup, Reyna did not get a lot of minutes, controversially, and did not start a single game. Pulisic and Reyna, or Pulisic and Weya, similar name, uh, got the starting winger positions over him. It came out shortly after the USA's exit from the World Cup that it was not exactly tactical that he wasn't playing, uh, but it was also because of behavioral issues from Reyna. Head coach Greg Berhalter stated in a leadership conference that was supposed to be off the record that an unnamed player, later revealed to be Reyna, had issues of not training to the level that was expected, throwing a fit when it was re revealed that he wouldn't start and being a bad overall teammate, which obviously rubbed his teammates the wrong way. It got so bad that certain players were getting fed up, and Berhalter and his staff were seriously debating sending him home from the World Cup because of his behavior. They decided not to, and they had Reyna apologize for the team and commit more to the success of the group, and all was fine. Until, as it turns out, uh, news shortly after the new year broke, and the news was, on December 11th, Ernie Stewart, U.S. Soccer Sporting Director, received news that Greg Berhalter in 1991 domestically abused his now wife by kicking out at her during an argument uh and it came out literally the day after that it was actually danielle and claudio reina that reported it to stewart as a response to burr giving a statement about their son the aforementioned statement danielle was roommates with burr wife at the university of north carolina and the reinas and the burr were quite close emphasis on the were i suppose <laughs> Whether it was blackmail or just regular revenge is unknown, but I think most people can agree it's not a great look. U.S. soccer has since launched an investigation, and both sides have released a statement. Burhalter was disappointed in the news breaking, saying that he and his wife have since obviously moved on since he went to seek counseling in 1991. She reached out to him again to rekindle their relationship. They got married, had kids, and remained together after 25 years years the reina statements they released two separate ones make clear that this was all in response to burhalter's leaked uh neutral comments in uh, the leadership conference so yeah a lot the 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 it's a lot of drama some more fun some more serious uh but that is what has embroiled u.s soccer right now uh completely overshadowing news of players scoring players starting and of course the january uh window that's literally happening in a couple of uh, a couple of weeks here but jack this is crazy news we've been tweeting about it since the news broke in december until now as brought uh, you know let's actually start with who's to blame because i think i think that kind of sets the context a lot jack in your mind who who is the ones that we can point to like the, you guys are causing the trouble here and it could be multiple people whatever well who do you think i can see arguments for either party being called to blame but honestly i i feel like it, it's it's the reinas to blame okay. it, it is to to me and the reason why is the the comments that burhalter made at this conference didn't specify a player sure maybe you could have inferred it but it could have easily been like any other player who wasn't starting, right? Like it could have been Joe Scally, could have been any. It could have it could have been someone else. 
Yeah. It, it, it wasn't Burhalter who revealed it. He didn't say like, oh, yeah, Gio Reyna was acting so annoying at, ca- at, at camp and I had to put him in his place. Right. He didn't say that. He said, look, sometimes sometimes players are not acting how they should and it can affect the team. And so here's what I did in this case. And, and it worked and it was fine. And I yeah. have no problems with that player. Like It was a very, very neutral statement, it, which it is was. why I wanted to say that. It was a very neutral statement, and it was only after he made that that a bunch of news outlets then dredged up all the other stuff. So part of the blame also goes on these news outlets like they could have like, of course, they couldn't just let it be. And they and they just had to be like, oh, it's all about Gio Reyna. This is is, uh, Greg Berhalter hates Gio Reyna, like all this kind of stuff. And I, I, I feel but I feel like, you know, given that Danielle Reyna was close uh to rosalind burhalter or i don't know what her maiden name is actually uh but (laughs) sure but you know is close is close to her and saw the effects of this because this happened while uh greg and rosalind were in college right so given that Mm -hmm. she saw this and the effect it had on her why bring that up again like that just feels like a really awful thing to do given like just i i i get to a point like there there's there's an extent of like you know like getting justice for things i don't think this is one of those cases where where that's the that's the main purpose of this i don't and, think it is at and all. i mean the statements don't seem to think it's about that either it yeah. seems to be like entirely fueled by i mean it feels like it's fueled by revenge at least mm-hmm. and i feel like that's i i mean like Honestly, you could joke like say like, oh, yeah, soccer parents, man, the worst, right? Like you, you we've seen we've seen videos of like soccer parents at like kids matches, like abusing referees yeah. and stuff like that. I can go over the top, but come like this. This is like childlike behavior, honestly. Yeah. Like he said something mean about my about my kid. So I had to expose him for domestic abuse. Like, yeah yeah when you say it like that like it's just like it's just crazy right like that that's and uh, it it, the the entire thing is just really it's really bad because i i i get like to a certain extent people who are like okay good like this should be dealt with but also a lot of the people who are celebrating this kind of thing are not do like as you tweeted are not doing it because they actually want justice or like they want like this thing to actually be dealt yeah, with. They want Burhalter out. That's it. And that, <laughs> and that's dumb. That's dumb as well. But to, who's that, to, yeah, that's gross. Who's to blame? I think the Reina's debt. Like, I feel like this is a disproportionate thing to do. Like it, if it, it's like 80, 20, 90, right. 10, maybe. Right. Like, but like, and also I think the media for spinning this whole thing out of proportion, it was just a, it was a neutral comment that he yeah. made. Like it did not have to be that big of a deal. Like it really didn't. And I feel like yeah. it got ma- it got spun way out of proportion to what it was. But uh-huh. like I I feel like news media has some of the blame here, but I I also I also do yeah. blame. Uh, I I I personally think like it hurts the Reynolds yeah. legacy in US soccer quite a bit. Uh, a but, lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. I I I, I I can just I remember I remember looking at all of like the news media is talking about it and making light of the situation 
And I remember just like feeling kind of gross about it. Like, well, one of the most popular social media aggregators for the US men's national team is at USMNT only. And they were, you know, posting like, like tweets from people that were like joking about it, like, whoa, you know, soccer parents, whatever, caption, crying emoji, crying emoji, crying emoji. And I was just like, I was just like, when you really look past like the fact that this crazy like real housewives moment is happening in u.s soccer and just look at the facts and you look at how the reinas used an abuse victim an abuse victim as a pawn to yeah. get back at a head coach for not giving their son enough minutes at the biggest tournament in world soccer like that's pathetic and gross that you know the reinas did that and it's pathetic and gross that people are acting like that's some kind of light thing because either a you think that you know Berhalter needs to you know be held to justice because of the things that he did in, in uh, however many years ago or you think that this is serious because this is an act of revenge this is this is almost blackmailing not just Berhalter but his wife who has had nothing to do with this entire situation dragging her into it and that in itself is also serious so either which way you want to look at it it's problematic to like joke about it and to not treat this kind of seriously but the way that a lot of people as you mentioned view it is that oh this is ha 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 this is u.s men's national team it's crazy burhalter out blah 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 rosalind does, did not consent to this it was not her that stepped forward and you can view this and however many ways you want to view it. But I think the biggest thing that's being missed here when we discuss this and discuss a lot of things when it comes to uh, sexual abuse or domestic abuse in the soccer world is the fact it's not viewed from the lens of the abused person. It's always, oh, Mendy did this, uh, who uh, whoever uh, did this did these terrible things and haha prison fc and never they took the innocence they took something away from a living breathing human being and the reinas kind of forced this thing that as we assume from berhalder's statements from the fact that he and his wife have been together for 25 years now is something that they have worked past and probably don't want to be aired out they don't want this painful experience to be outed to the public all for revenge and i can't believe that this is the last draw for pe people that breaks the camel's back when it comes to ussf reforming and burhalter out and all of this and not the nwsl lawsuits not the equal pay lawsuits not the other cronyism it's 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 a it's a blackmailing situation and it's the fact that jay burhalter got his brother a job at ussf allegedly those are the two reasons why people think that u.s soccer needs reforming not the sexism not the abuse this like like be for real right now like what like what like i want a new head coach too i'm fine with non-former u.s men's and women's national team players having you know leaders in ussf i'm fine with like restructuring things I'm not going to celebrate this news because it means that Burhalter's gone, nor is this going to be the single reason why I think that things need to change. I don't, I don't think that's crazy. I, no, I, it's not. I don't think. I, I think just this entire situation is just so, so dumb. And also, I want to I uh, throw this out there. 
Claudio Reyna is like an active sporting director as well. Like for Austin FC. Yeah. yeah. What? How he should not still be in a job if he's acting yeah. like this. Like, how, how do you trust him after that? Yeah. Like, are you are you telling me this is who you want making decisions about your team roster? I'm not. I don't want that. I wouldn't yeah, want that. You, <laughs> you, you you want a guy who who got pissy after his son uh, only got like 34 minutes at a World Cup to be handling millions of dollars of player assets? Yeah. No, no, like, no. That like <laughs> you do not want someone who is like, uh, I'm slightly upset at this news. How about blackmail? Like that's not yeah. that is not what you want in, in charge of it. And I mean, U.S. soccer just so so much needs to needs to be changed and honestly like as more things come out about it it gets it gets me thinking like can we reform u.s soccer really (laughs) or is it something that we kind of just need to like legitimately start it over (laughs) with yeah like i i know that sounds like completely radical for a lot of reasons but honestly like just every single if if you look at most things wrong with u.s soccer and like trace them back to exactly where it starts like any anything like uh with how the mls is run if you're upset with something about how the mls is run how the national team is run it usually has to go back to some stupid structure in u.s soccer or some stupid bribery some stupid some stupid cronyism it it all comes back to to stuff like that and yeah i don't know i i think i i think you know, we we need to do like there's a lot of work that needs to go into fixing that up because it is it just kind of feels like a broken organization in total. Well, Jack, uh, speak on that. How about you? Uh, how does U.S. soccer respond and improve? How does this affect the U.S. men's national team moving forward uh, off the field? Like like how does how does the team, how does the federation move and grow from such a such kind of a an earth shattering moment such as this well i mean like i feel like their response was already kind of wrong like what like how how do you not like go into it and like think about like the motives and honestly even ask the supposed victim about this before you start an investigation right like well i think that is what they did right because i i think i think that when this happened, Burhalter and Rosalind, uh, that, that, I think in their statement, they thanked Burhalter and Rosalind, Greg Burhalter, that is, mm-hmm. uh, and Rosalind for coming out and like being communicative with the Federation. But I mean, like the whole the whole thing of like, I, I, f- I feel like they, they could have handled this better. I, I, I think I think that they, they definitely could have. It, it feel it feels like, you know, I how, how can they respond and. And improve well yeah how can they respond that is a good question <laughs> that, Jack. That, that's that that's the thing that, that i'm struggling with I, I don't know what exactly they do because they've dug themselves into a hole that obviously like they they do the investigation right like they they they've already committed to it out loud and if if they don't then that's not going to look good for a variety of reasons so mm-hmm. i i think like i i don't i don't even I don't even know how how you can how how you improve from this because like well, what because you can't you can't just say like oh we're going to think more critically about the allegations that we investigate like because that's a terrible precedent to think about right yeah so it, it, it that's not the issue 
I mean, is is the issue that like you you need to you you need to get people to be nicer to each other? That's not really something within their purview. So I'm not I'm not sure if sure. that's if can, that's the way forward. But I'll, can I'll, I actually uh, disagree with you on okay. on I I, th- I think the basis of your argument. I I personally think that U.S. soccer did do enough for to to say that that they quote-unquote handled the situation enough that's fair or at that, least that's fair. C- controlled everything in their purview because i think what you're getting at is what can u.s soccer to change the culture of this team and how they handle things but in terms of how they respond directly to this i think ernie stewart's hearing this and instead of brushing it off instead of doing whatever kind of ha- like had to blow it up and be like, all right, well, let's do a full-blown investigation. Let's publicize this. Let's do this, this, and this. I think was the right move. And I think that's a lot. I think I think a lot of the reason why people don't like the way that they handled it is because of very real criticisms of everything else with the Federation, the surrounding other lawsuits. And also the fact that I feel like the media, as you mentioned before, kind of pushed this narrative of USSF is also at fault here because they want to have like this kind of uh, this two-sided story instead of like, oh, as we talk about d- disproportionately, the rain is fault. It's also USSF's fault. And we could debate that and we could talk on Sports Center and uh, Soccer America and uh, uh, Fubo, whatever, whatever, whatever about these discussions about these debates uh, surrounding this. However, I do think you're right where it's kind of weird to think about like, what do they have to make it? So people are nicer to each other. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like m- maybe one of the changes uh, to your points that might be out of their purview uh, is just separating themselves from Reina's parents for a while yeah i'm sure i'm sure to, to to briefly speak about the on the field effects which i think are very minimal i think as long as reyna has the right mentality moving forward he's going to be back on the team but maybe when he is back on the team separate yourself from reyna's parents for a while <laughs> yeah and i don't know like like it, it's hard because i think that this more so than it, it's an indictment on u.s soccer which is like my point of this long-winded discussion right now. I think it's more of a reflection of the state of sports and not even just soccer, not even just MLS, not even just U.S. soccer, but sports in this country and also the upper middle and higher class of Americans and elitism to, to be even more broad because that's the very first th- thought that I had other than, man, that sucks when I when I read this story is like, it makes perfect sense to me that the that the people that would be doing this would be affluent white people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that I, I don't know. It, it, it does track. It does track. So I, I, I don't exactly know how U.S. soccer moves forward in actionable ways outside of, like you said, doing the investigation and doing it the right way. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, like set set a good precedent for like allegations like this in the future while also understanding that hey, uh maybe we should like 
block the Reina's phone numbers for like a little bit. Like, yeah, uh, I, I, I think I think I agree with you on like Geo's probably he's still probably going to be in the team because I I don't think Burhalter is going to be like oh your parents like did this to me I'm going to screw over your entire career now I don't think I don't think he'd be like that maybe no. I'm wrong but and who knows if he's even going to be the coach uh, yeah, like th- th- in the future th- th- because his contract that's... expired at the end of the, the yeah. last year like who knows. That's the other off the field thing that should be noted is that head coaching wise, this is going to increase the waiting time it takes back to here on the US men's national team's next head coach. We have news that they actually did reach out to uh, Zidane, I believe, <laughs> yep. uh, to be in the head coach. He said, good no, for but, us. Good for yeah, us for you know, trying. <laughs> you know, hey, I respect it so much. I respect it so much. Uh, but it's going to take a while because the investigation has to end. Obviously, we're going to give Burhalter, you know, a fair shake for employment legality reasons, whatever, you know. Uh, but, you know, in 2023, we have a couple tournaments. We have the January window. Anthony Hudson, a, a former assistant or I guess current assistant technically, is going to be taking the reins as head coach for the, the two games. Not uh, not a stellar coaching record, gotta not say. A, not a stellar, <laughs> kind of kind of has been riding the coattails of his Bahrain and New Zealand uh, success. Stunk in in uh, Colorado. Yep. Stunk for the the youth teams. Is here. I hope he's not the one being hired. Uh, oh, but God. he will be leading uh, the January window. We have Nations League, a group stage in March, Nations League finals in June, and Gold Cup in July. It's an imperative that we have an, the next head coach by then, but it will force us to, you know, potentially not have a head coach, a permanent head coach until then. Sorry, yeah. I, I interrupted you, though, Jack. No, no. What were you going to say? I, I, I was just going to say, like, could you imagine U.S. men's national team Twitter if, like... <laughs> Hudson is the actual next head coach. I would, I, I, I'd have to, I'd have to stop following the team for like at least one month. I'd, I'd have to take a break. I'd I, be like, this is, I can't. People would be wishing for Burhalter back immediately. I, oh. I guarantee it. There's no way. <laughs> Maybe I do want that because that'd be really funny. It, it, w- it would be, it would be hilarious. It would be. Yeah. But it would also yeah. be sad. Uh, another one of the things that people have mentioned, a lot of fans, is the needing to clear house, quote unquote. Uh, stating that U.S. soccer's handling of the situation has been poor, and we need to get rid of the old U.S. men's national team players that lead the federation, like, let's say, Burhalter, Ernie Stewart, uh, uh, McBride, of course. And uh, I I think that's important. I think that's a fair change. But I think it's important to make changes that they were going to make, not just because of this. I think this is a single data point that may point to a larger trend for us to need to change the way things are run. But overall, I do want to make sure that fans understand that this is is bad, but it happens all over the world and that we can't we can't look for changes to be like, like just like, oh, we need to do this. We need to do this as ways to like completely fix this, because what happened with France in 2018 with Benzema mm-hmm. and what happened in 2021 with literally everybody for that matter for with rabio or whatever yeah how about morocco and ziesh how about argentina in 2016 and 2018 how about the u.s men's national team in 1998 right there are so many examples of things happening whether it's from outside sources from people that are very familiar with the the federation or 
in general, even just the players. So to your point, Jack, maybe you need a wholesale change. Because I think I, I don't think people should expect that, oh, if we hire people that aren't former U.S. men's national team players, if we hire a, a foreign head coach that doesn't have any connections with uh, with any of the U.S. men's national team families, then this will be fixed. That might fix a couple of issues, but it's naive to think that that won't bring up its own issues, that we will be immune from that. And again, I don't have any concrete actions other than use this as a data point and don't be too brash with things just because of this one data point. There's plenty of other bigger things that, Jack, you and I have talked about with the NWSL, with mm -hmm. uh, equal pay, that maybe matter more and should cause more change than this singular data point. Like, I think the U.S. women's national team and their controversies and debacles. That should have been reason this, enough. <laughs> yeah, that kind of outnumbers impact-wise to a family dispute with the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, That's just my thinking. Be, because it involves, you know, what more people consider higher profile names, I guess. Exactly. That, and also, let's, let's be real, a fair bit of sexism in there as well. I'm, yes, uh, yes. Like, it, this is going to be get covered more uh but i mean if it if it gets changes done then kind of cool it's still sad that it took this long and for so much to have happened for anything yeah. to get done yeah well jack anything else to say about this and any anything you could summarize or just say about this uh to summarize don't use abuse victims as a pawn in anything uh respect their agency jack let's move on to the team that's on your shirt right now you're yeah. wearing a, a jersey uh is, is that is that pulisic 22 it, it is it is the pulisic 22 jersey yep all right all right let's talk about chelsea's issues but first uh rest in peace the former italy Sampdoria, Juventus, and of course chelsea player and ma manager gianluca vialli who passed away uh due to i think it was pancreatic cancer mm -hmm. Uh, very very sad. He added a lot to uh Italy's legacy to even Chelsea's legacy. He was manager, ooh, nineteen ninety eight to two thousand something to maybe maybe just two thousand. Uh, that sounds I, about right. I I feel like I feel like he was manager for like some trophy win, FA Cup or like cl a club uh or cup winners cup. I don't know if that was uh if that was around there, but uh regardless, you know. Rest in peace. Let's talk about Chelsea while well, Jack is looking that up. Uh, to summarize, Chelsea are struggling. They find themselves in 10th place, just as close to relegation points-wise as they are to the top four. They have one league win in the last uh, three months, uh, and that's their last eight Premier League matches. Uh, and since the first game in this run on October 19th, no side has won fewer games in the competition. They're out of the EFL Cup and just this past afternoon in the FA Cup as well. And I think that this is their first time being out in the first phase of the competition in like 36 or so years. Okay, okay. but but we had to play Manchester City away both times. Yes. How is that? that, that, that how, how does that, that happen? That's the asterisk. How does that's that happen? I know. Hey, hey, I know. I know. 10th place though. 10th place. Hey, and to be fair, you know, Champions League, you guys are still in the Champions yeah. League. Five thirty-eight only gives them a four percent chance okay. of winning that oh. competition. 
So, Jack, it's not even statistically significant. <laughs> uh, uh, l- let's just say the impact that Chelsea have on the field is also not statistically oh, st- significant. <laughs> I walked into that one. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Jack, you watch Chelsea. So, Why are they struggling? Question mark. Um, I think there's actually a really big reason. And I know the temptation is for a lot of people because the tendency of Chelsea fans typically is as soon as things get rough, blame the manager immediately but uh-huh. and to an extent maybe maybe there, there's part of that i'll also defend him a little bit because the man got tossed in in the middle of the season no preseason is just now getting a transfer window i i'm willing to give him time but let, let me just go through the injuries currently right now injuries are huge edward mendy is out ben showell's out reese james is out wesley fofan is out uh, N'Golo Conte's out. Mm-hmm. Ruben Loftus Cheek is out. Mason Mount got injured in the game today. Mm-hmm. Raheem Sterling's injured. Kai, or not Kai Havertz. Christian Pulisic is injured. Armando might Broya. Have, hey, Kai Havertz might as well be injured. <laughs> yeah. Armando Bro- Broya got injured in a friendly where a Wolves player went in on a two-footed tackle for him. Yeah. Like, we, we have a full 11 out injured. And that's a good that's a good starting eleven too. Exactly. That's like, like this, this, that starting eleven would not be relegated. That's that that is a good mid table team like, right there. Okay, they're, they're a little bit higher than mid table, I think. But like I that mean, team. If like, you have Armando Brocha leading the line, I don't know. Ingolo Conte, Christian Pulisic, Raheem Sterling, Mason Mount, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Okay, okay. That, now that one, I, I'm, I'm with you on. That's ten first team players injured. Though. Yes, you're right. Ten though. first team players injured, and like a lot of them are starters too. Ben Chilwell and Reese James were our starting uh like wingbacks or fullbacks do you, we are we are starting uh, lewis hall who is 18 years old at left back in in some of these games and we're starting as Piliquet, we're starting a, a child and we're starting like an old man at, yeah at, at fullback like i i i think like injuries have a lot to do with it it's it's yeah. really tough and like it just seems like every single game another player gets injured do you think that maybe the medical staff need to have some questions asked about them because i'm looking at this list and there are some players that have had a couple of like recurring injuries whether it's the same thing or just they're always somehow in the the physio's tent whether it's you know christian pulsick or ben chilwell reese james even i feel like there's some there's a pattern here. Yeah, I, I, I do agree a little bit. I, I did we take uh, Dortmund staff like after they got fired? Like, yeah, maybe. Uh, honestly, like I'm starting to think like there, there's something going on here. And I. I think like in injuries definitely have a part to play in this, but. I, I'm going to I like. I, 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 I think that obviously like there's still a lot of Potter getting used to the squad and yeah. This might be skipping ahead a little bit to what you, you're thinking about, but <laughs> I am going to say, and I fully believe in this, give him time. Like, I, I do not... I'm, I, I'm right there with you. I do not want to see Chelsea do the same thing we've done every single time where things get rough and automatically the, the, the idea is just, all right, new manager, we're going to switch things up. Because to a certain extent, that doesn't help do everything. Getting yeah. a new manager isn't a silver bullet to problems because in, in a way it causes more problems sometimes because you need then the manager needs to get used to a brand new squad 
and he's and he's got to figure things out with with everything. And they they've got to bring in their own players exactly. Too. And like the staff, the entire backroom staff changes a lot of the time. Like, I don't think it's worth it to like to to do that. I and it does kind of pain me to an extent to say this, but I want Chelsea to follow Arsenal's example. Ooh. I I just gave us a good clickbait title there. You're you're yeah. that, that's what I've get uh, I've done there. But Jackson Arsenal fan now. <laughs> but like, I remember. Mikel Arteta gets hired in 2019, right? And he does not do well right away. Yeah. Arsenal do not look great. He loses their first two, three games in charge. And immediately going into the next season, he's like listed as the most likely manager to get sacked. But Arsenal don't give up on him. They let him build. They let him cook, as the kids say. They, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's go. And he and... He brought in players that uh, he brought in players, some players that, you know, weren't immediately like uh, like a lot of people were like, I don't I don't get the use behind this signing, but OK. And they 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 let him they let him build the squad and look at where Arsenal are now. I like I I think like at this point, they're probably favored to win the title. I, I think they are like sure City's Close lurking, to, yeah. but. I think Arsenal are Arsenal are definitely one of the favorites. Like I think they I I could I no longer am convinced they'll like crash and burn. Okay. I I want us to follow that kind of example. I want us to think about the long-term future of this club. And looking at the signings we've made, I think we're doing that. Like getting Slonina as a as a as a goalkeeper, you know, uh getting yeah. uh Batty Ashil as as a, as a defender, uh, get, getting uh, who um, Cesare Casade as, as a uh, midfielder, Chukwameka as as a midfielder, getting Andre Santos, Santos yeah. yeah, David Datro Fofana, like the, these are players that have the potential to build up and become part of a long term successful Chelsea team. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that idea. I like the idea of not just building for short term success because cool. I, I, I'll tell you, I loved winning the champions league in, in 2021. I loved watching that. <laughs> I'm sure you it, did. it was yeah. great. But also like since then, I can't say that a lot of the signings we've made have been building for like a long term successful vision. Like mm-hmm. not all of them have been like they, there's been some good signings, but they're they're not meant. A lot of them don't feel like long term signings. Like you're telling me Obama Yang was meant to be a long term signing. No. I hope not. Like, I, I really hope not. I, I feel like yeah. that, that feels like a panic buy that. And, and yeah, and, and I just want to add, like, I, I think I think that kind of goes to the larger point where. I don't think Potter's to blame. I also want him to cook. I, I, he did well with Brighton yeah. with worse players. It took him, yes, some, it took him sh- some time to get up there, but it took him some time. Chelsea's players are very injured. So obviously you're gonna have to give him time for that. But I think the main issue with Chelsea historically has been players coming in for way too much money flopping. And then you're kind of screwed because you owe them money and you can't, mm-hmm. don't have a lot of uh, room to move there. And it, it, you just keep on throwing money at Bromwich, throw money. Todd Bowley now throws some money at, at players. Let's try to fix this. And you, as you say, maybe a project based uh, approach to team building is, you know, the way 
to go here. I have some stats, Jack, mm-hmm. that kind of back up this point. Uh, since signing Batch Y in 2016. Oh, no. That nothing ever starts, and, and nothing good starts with Batch Y. <laughs> Chelsea Strikers. Oh, right? no. And also not yeah, a good no, start. Those are two bad components right next yeah. to each other. <laughs> uh, since signing Batch Y in 2016, Chelsea Strikers that they bought, so not Academy, mm-hmm. no Tammy Abraham or whatever, have combined for 134 goals Man. in 450 Man. games <laughs> for a combined 364 million euros. Mm. In the last three seasons, Jack, Chelsea Football Club have spent over 700 million euros. So a lot of those players are no longer with the club. Yeah, yeah. most uh, of them aren't. <laughs> player personnel and transfer quality have just been a huge issue for Chelsea. Oh, right? yeah. Yep, I, 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 I don't I don't think anyone can really argue with that. Like Chelsea have had three strikers since Abramovich took over in the 2000s that have had over 50 goals. And that's I personally think, you know, it's too early to tell for Potter how he's doing. But if we're asking the big question, how are Potter and specifically Bowley are doing their new uh, your guys, new owner? Mm. I'm wondering if Bowley's actions are a continuation of Abramovich's when we talk about throwing money, when we talk about wanting to build a club future. I'm sure Jordan would be able to talk about it a little bit more because uh, he, you know, follows baseball. But Bowley also opens uh, also owns the L.A. Dodgers in the Major League mm. Baseball. They also spend a lot of money. I think the fact that Chelsea's most successful signings have been on the cheaper side, in my opinion, Jack, and I don't know how you think about this. I think your guys' two best signings in the last like three summer transfer windows are a 36-year-old stopgap center back trans- free transfer from PSG. Yep. Yep. And at least the most consistent right now uh, is a a near deadline day loan transfer from Juventus yep. stopgap center midfielder. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. I will say, I will say, uh, Kovacic, <laughs> Kovacic was a yeah. good transfer. Yeah. And, and I actually wrote, I wrote, I wrote down successful signings over 30 million pounds, uh, by, by Chelsea. I have Chilwell, yep. Kovacic, mm-hmm. Havertz question mark. Everyone else is either cheaper or, is a flop. Ha- I, I'd give Havertz, yeah, because he he can live off that Champions League winning goal for the rest of the time. I'm sure he can. He really can. I'm like, sure he can. I, I, I can't be, I, I can get mad at him, but then I remember that goal and it all goes away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I do like what Bully's doing with like the cheaper players or the, the younger yeah. players who just so happen to be cheap, like Fofana, Santos. I, I think it uh, shows that, you know, maybe he is building for the future. And if that's okay. the case... Great. If it if it if we get to the summer transfer window and this man like spends like 200 million to get like. I don't know, like what what what's a what's a really hyped up player that probably wouldn't translate well, probably anyone. Well, well, <laughs> well, 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 he, well, here's an example that is was actually rumored to oh, happen. Oh, the Ronaldo one. Yeah. Talks, no, not, not, not Ronaldo. Okay. I'm talking about Enzo Fernandez for more than 120, 130 million euros or pounds. Yeah, not even worth it. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so th- that's what I'm kind of thinking where I'm like, okay, well, it's cool that you have, you know, uh, Badia Shiel, yep. is that how you pronounce I his name? Badia Shiel, Badia Shiel, Badia Shiel, yeah. I think it's cool that you, you sign him. I, I think that's a, that's a good signing. I, 
unlike other people, since I, I follow a lot of NBA, NFL, and, and sometimes Major League Baseball, the fact that he's on a 7.5 year contract doesn't scare me because I, I, I like amortization of contracts. I think that's a <laughs> yeah. I think that's a smart move. We'll see if it actually turns out. I mean, if it's one club that, that knows that, uh, you know, long term contracts don't work, it's a uh, it's a uh, West Ham United <laughs> Winston Reed comes uh, as a, a reminder. So the team building is good, but if you're getting the same breath, bid over a hundred million for Enzo Fernandez, who was just bought by Benfica, I yep. believe, uh, for twenty four million this past summer after he had you know, a pretty good World Cup to spend Jack two hundred eighty two million euros in the summer and have your most consistent player visa carrier who's <laughs> on loan, like yeah, like maybe next summer is where he changes, but right now, like. I can't really look at a lot of your guys' signings and say they have panned out right now. It's early days, right? I'm not going to turn most, my back on... Also, a lot on, of them have been injured most of the time. Yeah, so. like, yeah <laughs> I, I'm not going to turn my back on Fofano, who has a knee injury, or Sterling, who, who's a bit injured right now, or Koulibaly. Koulibaly's or, uh, been decent. I, I'd say Koulibaly's yeah, been decent. Kukurella less so, but you, yeah. know, you, you need time, you need time, whatever, whatever, whatever. But... If that's like you said, if that's going to be the trend. I'm I'm still worried about Chelsea's future because, yes, that amount of spending can get you the odd Champions League trophy. But is that going to get you sustained success? That's fair. I I agree. I I'm I'm going to be looking at this at this next summer transfer window. If we if we go in and spend like so much money for like one player, like if we look like Jude Bellingham is a great player. But if we spend like 160 million to get Jude Bellingham, I I'm gonna cry. That's not that it's not worthwhile, I don't think. I really don't think yeah. it's worthwhile. Like, yeah, he could be amazing, but also 160 million is a lot to swallow for any one player. Yeah. And especially because I feel like I could see Liverpool doing that, and that would fix a lot more issues on Liverpool than it would Chelsea, because I feel like Chelsea... Midfield is not really lot, our problem. It's yeah. the attack. Well, I, I, I feel like... Well, I feel like a lot of Liverpool, a lot of Chelsea's problems are kind of all over the pitch right now. Yeah. Uh, but, but I want to say a lot of uh, the roster construction problems for Chelsea is just getting rid of a lot of... Dead weight. Almost dead yeah. weight. Like... You, you got to get rid of Ziyech. You got to come up with uh, a suitable backup for uh, some of these, some of these uh, fullbacks. You kind of have to choose between Mendy and, and Kepa at this point, because you know, they're both very expensive players. Mm-hmm. You have to decide on, on Havertz. You have to decide on, uh, you have to figure out the Lukaku situation. Oh, man, I forgot right about now, that. Oh no. We still have, he's still technically employed by us. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's unfortunate. still paying off that transfer i'm i'm gonna doubt that inter want him back i still think he has like 3.5 years on his contract oh, like no. <laughs> just your, your best nice. center back your best center back is what 30 38 now yeah he is you know <laughs> <laughs> so like like to go back to this i i think i think potter's been dealt a bad hand and oh, I, I think you 100%. and most sane Chelsea fans agree. Are there sane Chelsea fans? I feel like I've gone insane. That might be an oxymoron. I've gone insane right. watching the same players get injured every single week. Yeah. But I, I, I think the main issue here is the way that Abramovich ran this club, which is very ironic that people were calling 
for him after after the four zero routing that you guys suffered on, from the hands of City uh, to to have him and Tuchel back. I let me see. I, I've been wrong about a lot of things. I've been wrong about Arteta. I'll admit that. I was wrong about Holland. Mm-hmm. I'll admit that. Something that I have always been right about is the problems at Chelsea. I always am like, hey, you know, the head coach. It might be time for Tuchel to go, but a lot of the issues are still surrounding the ownership and how they deal with roster construction. I, I, I think that Potter can actually fix that because he's used to dealing with a lot smaller of a budget to construct a roster. He's he. I think I think maybe maybe he's the moderating force we needed. Maybe that's what we needed. Yeah. I, I I hope he has control because yeah, uh, the rumors before Thomas Tuchel uh was able to you know leave the club or not was able was forced, <laughs> forced to leave the club <laughs> yeah. was that he didn't get a lot of control uh from for transfers and that that was kind of, kind of an issue he also had a lot of other uh interpersonal issues yeah. with the club and the way things are run but i don't know i i feel like potter should be able to do a little bit better because of the amount of resources they have but also you know you look at the richer saudi owners of newcastle and they're spending smarter than Bowley right now and finding more success currently and maybe in the future since they don't have these huge, huge contracts for kind of bad players. Like, I'm pretty sure there, there are, are some some like like players that used to play for like Burnley and Norwich and stuff on Newcastle that have just as many goal contributions as Chelsea's million multi-million dollar superstars. Yeah. Like I I I think this season being a rebuilding season is fine. I think Jack, are, are you kind of writing the season off? Yeah, as mostly. Like, yeah, I I'd be <laughs> I'd be happy with uh, finishing top half. I think top half. Yeah. Ah, you could do. I, yeah, I, I think mean, I think we could get like seventh and get like conference league. Oh come on, you guys are gonna make the Europa League at least. Don't worry. Don't we'll worry. see. Well, it depends on how fast how, how if we can keep you're any right, anyone right. healthy because who knows? That's true. Who knows by the end of the season? Like. For all we know, the last game of the season will have an entire development team eleven. Like, who knows? Yeah. Like that that could be the case. That the, I'm not writing that off. That is a possibility at this point. That would be funny. That would be also not great for the, the hearts of Chelsea fans. No, <laughs> no, not at all. I think I think being a rebuilding season is fine. Again, to end this off, I think just the issues that when the owners aren't treating it as such and are just spending a lot of money for stop gaps and a, like a lot of money on stop gaps or, or players that they think will will work out right away and then just don't and tie you up with a lot of money into transfers that you have to amortize or long term contracts that may or may not affect the team later on. Short term, though, I think Chelsea are fine. Injuries are injuries. Maybe get a, some more more physios, better better doctors. <laughs> just build know. a hospital. I, I just build a hospital at this point. We 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 need yeah. it clearly. Yeah. Put yikes, all yikes. sell Lukaku and build a hospital. That's that's what I would do if I'm in charge yeah. of the transfers. Uh, did you see Lukaku's touch uh, during the? I think I think it's one of the Serie A games. Oh yeah. Uh, Unfortunately. Uh, there's a throw into him and instead of instead of like taking it to the corner and trying to kill the game off his touch is so bad that it just goes out right away and guess guess what monza does literally oh, yeah, a couple they, minutes they later equalize. they equalize yep. uh 
Yeah, I... Bro, what happened to him? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what happened to him. Uh, he, ste- he stepped into the Chelsea locker room and all attacking talent just washed away from him. Do we have... Do our, I, I think our showers are cursed. I don't know. The showers are just like... They 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 rinse off the the shooting ability from your feet. That's, that's yeah. What it is. See, that's another thing that I wanted to mention, but I didn't know how to like put this into words. It's just like I don't know because like, it's the same thing with Manchester United. Like when people enter Manchester United, their like work ethic or whatever just like completely kaputs. I, I, I'm thinking that there's something to do with Chelsea that like I don't know if it's the coaching staff. I don't know if it's like the diets that you guys put put these players in, but. So something about like the cohesiveness of the team and again this might go back to the ownership where they buy like a bunch of players and there's not enough time to gel and like the, the leashes on these players aren't long enough or maybe they're too long in the case of like Havertz or Ziyech and it just doesn't work out and you keep on continuously switching players out and there's no chemistry being built maybe that's an issue because that's not an issue with the Chelsea women's team yeah let me tell you that much. they're great so honestly like i i've had more fun watching them uh in in the past like yeah. few months than i have watching the men's team because the women's team almost never disappoints like i've got to say it, it i it's very rare that i find myself getting disappointed watching them play yeah let's just hope todd bowley's not in charge of the women's team as well or else oh, that's no. <laughs> oh no <laughs> He, he, he he's like he's like all right i'm spending 100 million on mallory pew sorry mallory swanson now <laughs> or like changed her yeah last or name. like or <laughs> like i'm gonna spend one billion dollars bringing marta to the club <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh boy it's time we need younger players in this team uh jack predictions on chelsea uh where do they exit the champions league whether that's they, as winners or as runners up of some sort. I wish I could. And where they finish I wish I in could the say Premier League. Winners. I'm going to say like quarterfinal exit. Uh, we're probably going to get drawn against like Real Madrid next round and like get blown out then. Uh, and then Premier League, I'm saying sixth or seventh. I'm saying around there. Definitely. I, I feel like top four is kind of out of the possibility, but. I mean, like, what? It, it's 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 probably going to be Arsenal and then City, Newcastle somewhere up there. Oh man, that's maybe Liverpool up there, Manchester United. Like that I, would just make like me Chelsea depressed, could... right? That, that 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 lineup of who's going to the Champions League just makes me sad. Every every single name that got listed on there just made me more and more sad. <laughs> I, I I think you're better than. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, look, <laughs> okay. look. You can't be... <laughs> okay. Well, I, I just looked at the table and I saw that Brentford's above you guys. Yeah, so. Fulham's above mm-hmm. us too. If we beat Fulham, I'll, I, I'm, yeah. I'm back to believing in us. But who hey, knows if hey. we'll even be able to do that. <laughs> to, to end the episode off, West Ham, handshake emoji, Chelsea uh, being, mid. being very bad. Being mid. <laughs> <laughs> being, I, hey, I, I I think in terms of both of our expectations this season, I think mid is very uh very complimentary. very <laughs> complimentary. Yeah, a little bit. Oh well. Well, Jack, we talked about Ronaldo, we talked about Reyna, and we talked about I can't think of a word that starts with R Chelsea 
we talked about the the radical decline <laughs> from Chelsea. Radical there decline. you go. There's there there there's your alliteration. Jack, where can people find us on uh, the internet to learn more about our thoughts on our favorite teams? They can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show and technically on Instagram too at Final Third Show, but we don't really use that. But you know, if Twitter ever does collapse into a fiery abyss, it's there. Uh, so you so you might as well follow us on both. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Also, finalthirdshow.com is a great website that you can find us on to, you know, if Twitter does fall into a fiery abyss, you'll find all of our links to our other social medias there, as well as just like a one-stop shop for all things Final Third. Uh, it helps to keep engaged with the website because you know it's always going to be there even if the other social medias go down like you'll find all the the listening links that you possibly need on that website and also you know now that we actually bought the the url for the website the more you you go to the website the higher it goes up on the, the google search engine and you know helps with our seo and stuff we have we actually been doing pretty well in terms of uh our weekly listenership recently so i and i i think the website's helped a lot so thank you for those who have uh looked at it and have who have been listening uh thus far in 2023 one week in and yeah we'll be uh, back same time same place next week to talk about the winter transfer window so far some other things as well tell your friend about the show i'm sure he'd love to hear about how graham potter is doing with chelsea tell your father about the show I'm sure he'll love to hear about his least favorite player, hopefully Cristiano Ronaldo moving to Al Nasser. And yeah, we'll see you guys then. See ya. Bye for now. Bye.